Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Where Liberty Dwells podcast. I'm your host, Vaughn Hilp. So today I wanted to talk about when the left goes too far. But before I get into exactly that, I want to clarify and define some philosophical principles and ideas that I think largely are important in in this discussion. And so first I want to start with individualism versus collectivism. So individualism considers the individual paramount over the group, and collectivism is just as the opposite. It considers the broader community more important than the wants and needs of any individual person. And so in history, the actions and policies of the governments that broadly assume one or the other are then dictated accordingly. So there's also this dichotomy between the West and the East. So we often hear the the Western world, the West, Western patriarchy, Western democracy, but it's it's not just like a geographical marker. It's it's because in places like Western Europe and North America, the the that Western world is largely characterized by individualism. In religion, there's this Judeo-Christian principle that all humans are created in the image of God, so that despite any racial, sexual, ethnic differences, all humans are created in the same image of God in his eyes. And in economics, there's capitalism, which is the exchange of goods and services within a free market to, to choose how you, how, what you spend and, how you, and what you make your money on. And then culture is more or less an amalgamation of the two of those with a bunch of other stuff thrown into it that comes in the forms of movies, books, music, and art, and a bunch of other stuff. The East is characterized largely by, or maybe broadly, by collectivism. I think a, a good uh, origin for, for this Eastern philosophy is Confucius. He's the Chinese philosopher and quasi-religious figure who addressed social harmony. So he said that all Chinese people should should act according to this doctrine of social harmony in order to achieve social harmony so that that everybody can work together cohesively, despite the wants and needs of any and of any individual person. So I would say the United States is arguably the most individualistic country on, in the world. And this philosophy shaped the U.S. and is seen very clearly in documents like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. But the ideas in those, doctor, in those documents came, from, came largely from John Locke, who wrote that there are certain inalienable rights of the people that precede government, like life, liberty, and property. So if the government is the means by which the society or greater community is structured, a declaration of rights that cannot be taken away by a government is a deeply individualistic notion. So personally, while I'd classify myself as an individualist, certainly, I'm not, uh, before I go any further, I don't want to discard the, the value and the utility of certain aspects of collectivism and what, what that type of philosophical outlook can bring. I think more often than not, people work better together than by themselves. And I think working with members of your community is often vital to a society and a community to thrive. So I'm not, I'm not trying to completely discredit any of any of that and go completely individualistic. I think it's very much a balance. But overall, I would say that the individual is always more important than any group you could possibly be a part of. So now let's address when does the right and the left go too far? Well, it's about identifying different forms of identity politics. Identity politics is basically just the destruction 
of the value of the individual. The problem is it's much harder to identify when the left goes too far. But so first, when does the right go too far? Let's, let's first ask that because that's a little bit easier. Most people have a general answer that's, that's quick, and that's they still make the group paramount over the individual, but it's in the form of identitarianism where there's a superiority among groups ethnically, nationally, and racially. And the most infamous example of this is the Nazis in the Third Reich. So Hitler had this, this view of the ethnically pure German, the Aryan race, and they were at the top. They were the, the, the best type of human in layman's terms. And then there was just a hierarchy of values of groups below that. But at the very bottom were the Jews and the gypsies. And they were persecuted accordingly, and he murdered millions of people. And that was very easy to identify as horrible and really bad. And we continue to be easily identifying those types of, of problems when the right goes too far. But so now ask yourself, when does the left go too far? Most people don't have a, a quick answer, and it's not as clear to people. And that seems a little strange to me from the get-go because there's, I mean, if you look at the 20th century, there's a plethora of examples. The Soviet Union, Maoist China, Cambodia, and today there's still North Korea, Venezuela, Cuba. All of those are governments that imposed radically left phil philosophical ideas and, and politics and the atrocities just followed them wherever they went. But why is it harder to tell when the left goes too far? Because I think broadly, Americans especially are today have a, have a difficult time identifying that. And I think it's because oftentimes it's disguised with morally superior intentions. Dr. Jordan Peterson explains this really well, and he, he talks about how this is usually through the doctrine of equity. He points out very well how morally reprehensible it is, but I'll, I'll go into it as well. So when both sides of the spectrum go too far one way or the other, the individual is sidelined. We've established that, and that's the problem. But if the left prioritizes the group from the claim that all inequality axiomatically stems from oppression, then its critics are discarded as the oppressor. They're either racist or sexist or homophobic, which only propels their dogma further. We should be very worried when the left sees everything through the lens of race, sex, and ethnicity in the same way that we're really frightened when the right does the exact same thing. The way we should advocate for the correction of either of these extremes is with the philosophical foundation of the United States. This is why I regard the United States as the greatest country ever devised and still is. Society should be structured in a hierarchy of competence. Discrimination due to anything other than the ability of an individual to perform a task should not be taken into account. It just shouldn't. This means that when white, this means that when white supremacists discriminate based on race, that's bad. It means that when left when leftists dictate that exactly the same proportion of black people should occupy a position as white people, that's bad. It means that when sexists discriminate on the basis of sex, that's bad. And when leftists dictate that exactly the same proportion of women should occupy a position as men, that's bad. We more often find anyway that when left to true freedom of choice, the proportion of different groups of people that end up in different positions and professions stems from differences in preference. And that preference comes from both observable biology and also culture. Oppression cannot be the sole influence 
And to assume that as an incontrovertible fact is foolish and dangerous. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it cannot be the only factor. I would say it's probably not the majority factor. But so why is that dangerous? The radical left and the right play this identity politics game in order to divide and conquer. If the left so desperately wants this utopian society, which honestly we wouldn't even necessarily want, then wouldn't it be good to start by unifying everyone in a community despite their racial, sexual, and ethnic differences? One of my greatest criticisms of both former President Barack Obama and President Donald Trump is their extreme divisiveness. The former intensified race relations in the U.S. constantly, referring famously or infamously, depending on who you talk to, as racism being a part of our DNA, quote. The latter has opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to make a unifying statement, whether that be in a speech or on his infamous Twitter account, towards all Americans, but he does exactly the opposite at every damn turn. It's infuriating. Obama is an overtly political person, and he calculates every decision as the next step of a larger political game rather than what's necessarily best for the country. And Trump is a narcissist, wishing nothing more than for re-election in order to preserve his life's mission to be perceived as some sort of a winner. What's so sad is that people like that is is who we've come to in, in order to 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 lead our country. It's it's the polarity of politics today that's so sad. Due to efforts from the left and the right, you're either a liberal or a conservative, and everyone in the middle is forgotten and forced to choose one or the other. When, by my estimation, our societal equilibrium is probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, what's what's promising at least is that in our two and a half centuries as a sovereign nation, we've made significant progress, which I champion and cherish so much. In fact, we've made so much progress in terms of race and gender, at least, that when looking to eradicate the prejudice and discrimination that is still around, we've begun to mistakenly identify any disparity among people of any kind as malevolent, which, like I said, is 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 wrong and it's it's misleading. So this has allowed for the radical left to creep into the foreground of our country in any serious way for the first time. And that's why I, I'm so worried right now. I diametrically oppose the radical left. Like it's I it's it's awful. And that does not mean that I do not hate with every fiber in my being the alt right as well. I certainly do. I want to make that very clear. I'm only fortunate enough that those who came before me and have led the country before me have dealt with them in a way that has made them basically insignificant in the broader picture. Yes, they still exist, but not in any significant way. I will admit that in certain aspects of our society, we're not we're not we're not there yet. The criminal justice system is not perfect. But in most significant ways of society, the the radical right is not very influential in, in, in any in any serious way. As I mentioned earlier, the the radical left ideology has its sights set on a utopian society. Ultimately, let's not forget that the right does this too. But this is easily viewed as unfavorable because that utopia excludes entirely certain groups of people. 
However, I would also argue that the left's version of a utopia is equally problematic because if everyone lived perfect lives without encountering struggle at any point, resulting in equal success for everybody, that would be awful. In the same way that playing a video game mission on invincible mode isn't fun, it's the same thing. Maybe it's entertaining the first time you try it, but without a challenge or a feeling of accomplishment that others weren't necessarily able to achieve in the exact same way, the aspect of fun and meaning in the game are lost. There is one thing that humans need that in a utopian society, surprisingly enough, wouldn't be there. It's limitation. This is because out of limitation comes conflicts and problems that need solutions, and these solutions usually make everyone better off. The very definition of utopia in Greek is means no place, but maybe a, def, a better definition would be unwanted place. And after all this talk about the dangers of identity politics, I know it may sound hypocritical, but this is why I consider myself a libertarian. Just the, the idea of a limited government that is still equipped with the basic protections it should have to provide to its people is, in my opinion, the best interpretation of society that we've got. It's not perfect, but it's the best that we've got because if you go too far one way or the other, you, you completely erase the divine value, the intrinsic value of the individual human being. Their character, their competence... You erase that and you just assign them values based on groups that they, they fall into. So with that, I'll see you next time. This has been Where Liberty Dwells Podcast. I'm your host, Vaughn Hill. Mm-hmm.